You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Amen. Well, good morning, South Bay Church. It is good to uh, see everybody here today. Um, this may be a wisdom call, and it may not be the wisest on my part right now, but I just feel like I've been to church, and I think it's time to go home. <laughs> that was absolutely amazing. Thank you, Betty, worship team, tech team, all those of you that have uh, made this possible for us here today. My name is Steve Marici, and I have the incredible privilege and honor of being able to be a part of this amazing fellowship that we call the South Bay Church. You know, uh, well, I, I just got to start out with something that happened to me last night. You guys ever have one of those nights where you're just kind of like, what the heck is going on? Um, we had any contact wearers in the audience here? No, very few of you that are willing to admit it. I, I am. Um, and, uh, you know, I, you ever had those, well, there's a few of you. Occasionally, I'll go to bed at night and forget to take them off. Yeah. They are dailies. They're disposable. Well, last night, I remembered. I know my wife's like, wow, really? <laughs> I went to take them off. I guess they had gotten a little dry. I went to pull this one off. You know, you get the thing open on up and you grab and it, it snapped back. <laughs> but I had part of it in between my thumb and my index finger. And I'm just praising God. The other part managed to work its way out last night. But I was flooding, I was irrigating, I was doing everything under the sun to get rid of that thing, and it kind of rolled on back to the backside of the eye. So I'm just, I, I figured you guys would be encouraged by that this morning. But let's just say today is a much better day, amen? You know, I do want to thank all of you that are here in person, and I really want to appeal to those of you in the digital audience. Uh, if you're of good health, we want to encourage you to be a part of this fellowship. If you've got health issues or other implications, we totally understand. And to those of you visiting for the first time here and online, welcome. It's great to have you here this morning. We're uh, continuing our series of, uh, on the book of Romans backwards. Uh, and today, the primary text will be, I've got a few that we'll uh, kind of veer off the path to a little bit here today, but primarily Romans 6 is what we're going to be looking at. And as we turn to God's word, we're going to consider how God intends to use his church, this family, our presence in this world as a means of revealing his character to this lost world. We're also going to take a look at the power that the gospel brings and how the gospel can break the chains of our past, freeing us up and equipping us to win as many souls as possible. Um, you know, when I, I got the title, or I was assigned the... Uh, well, I did have a choice in this, I think, sort of, kind of. Uh, I actually, I, I do appreciate this series in a huge way, but the title of the message this morning is Break Every Chain. Uh, with that, you know, it was probably kind of a no-brainer on Brian's part, but I had to call him and request Betty to sing that for us. As I did the communion song, he's all, bro, we already got that hooked up. So uh, did my heart good as we get started off here this morning. But I think just thinking through life, how many times... Have you felt chained down, restricted, or bound to past events, maybe even some current events in your life today? A situation, a relationship, a regret. You know, maybe it's being a part of a toxic environment, bad friendships, addictions, sexual desires, drugs, anger. 
you know, overextending ourselves. And many of us tend to carry baggage with us. Now, this may come as a shock, but probably everybody here has baggage. We've got baggage. And the baggage is something that begins to act as a form of entrapment or shackles or prison when it comes to our lives. It can hold us captive. It can ultimately make us think that there's no way to break free from them. And uh, there's a psalmist, there's a psalm that I had the opportunity to read years ago. There was a book that was written called, entitled, Some Sat in Darkness. Yep. Uh, some of you have read that book. Many more of you are pr probably very familiar with the psalm. It's pretty intense. Psalm 107, verse 10 says, Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness. Prisoners suffering in iron chains. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness, amen, yep. the utter darkness, and he broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze, and he cuts through bars of iron. You know, when it comes to sin, whatever form it comes in, to be addiction. You know, Rhett talked about this a little bit last week, things that we don't want to do that we do do in uh, Romans 7. I heard that. Well, I'm telling you, my, my, my wife just keeps it light, right? <laughs> but, you know, it just seems like there are things that we want to change up in our lives and we can feel like we're prisoners. We're chained to the very thing that we want freedom from. We may even hate the thing that it is that we're doing. You know, Romans 7, uh, 18 through 19, again, Paul describes it, Rhett talked about it, but despite the fact that we may feel like we're in prison with no way out, as we saw in this psalm, the thing that's awesome is we have a promise from God that he has the power to cut through every chain that binds. Everything that binds us, everything that holds us back, everything that weighs us down and trips us up. You know, in this passage... Psalm 107, it tells us that if we cry out to the Lord in our time of trouble, he will come and he will rescue us out of this place of distress. Why? Because God loves us. Amen? Amen. This passage of Scripture also reminds us that we don't have to be perfect before we go to God. What this says to us right here is we can be at the absolute lowest point of our life at a place where we may have tried hundreds of times to get free of on our own and failed. And all we have to do is to cry out to him. With that cry, there does need to be a willingness to surrender ourselves to him as well. You know, in Romans 6, in God's perfect timing, God Almighty will come in with his strength and break every chain. He's able to open the door to any prison. Anything that we find ourselves bound to or imprisoned by, and then free us to walk in his plans and purposes that he has ultimately set aside for us. You know, we talk about freedom. We just came off of Memorial Day. Most of us are familiar with the, the quote that freedom comes at the cost of blood. And we can see that as, as something that repeats itself throughout our history time and time and time again. Everybody seeks freedom. Just ask the people that are escaping from other countries trying to come to the United States. And I think when it comes to the U.S. in particular, freedom is an incredibly high virtue that we want. It's one of the most sought-after things of anything. But freedom in Christ 
is not the same as physical, political, or economic freedom. You know, it does remind me a little bit of Juneteenth when it came to the Emancipation Proclamation that went out on January 1st in 1863. It represented freedom. But not everyone was a recipient. We know that when it comes to justice, there are things that we're still working out today. But for those people in Texas, it took two and a half additional years and the national troops showing up to release a quarter of a million slaves that had already been freed by the Emancipation Proclamation, but it took an executive order, which we've known to, we know today is Juneteenth. Juneteenth. When we talk about this kind of freedom, when we talk about spiritual emancipation, ultimately that would be from sin. It's kind of similar for each and every one of us. We go back, we look at our lives, the time that we spend in darkness. The gift of freedom has been given, and it's been given freely, but our sin can keep us enslaved and put off the freedom that God wants us to have, the freedom that God wants us to embrace. In Romans 6, Paul explains that we are all slaves. We're either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. Romans 6, 15, verse 18, Paul says, What does all this mean? You know, in the, earlier on in the chapter, throughout the book of Romans, grace and faith are something that are talked about quite significantly. Amen. So when it comes to this grace, this mercy that God's extended, you know, in the beginning of the chapter, it talks about, okay, so do we use that as an opportunity to just continue to sin because it was something that was freely given? And Paul in verse 15 says, well, what does this all mean? Does it mean we're free to sin because we're ruled by God's wonderful kindness and not by the law? Certainly not. Verse 16. It says, don't you know that all are sin, don't you know that you are all slaves of anyone you obey? You can't be slaves of sin and die, or you can be obedient slaves of God and be acceptable to him. You used to be slaves of sin, but I thank God that with all of your heart you obeyed the teaching you received from me. Now you are set free from sin and are slaves to who, uh, and are slaves who please God. You know, thinking this through when it comes to slavery, those who are slaves of sin cannot free themselves, right? I mean, I, I, I look back at my life before I was a Christian. There were so many things that at a very early age I stated that I would never do. And then as I got older, I found myself in the midst of those things that I stated I would never do. And then it was a matter of these promises to whoever or whatever. You know, I was agnostic from the age of 13 to 32. And um, with that, you know, there were those occasions, even as one that was agnostic, it's like, okay, I know there's some force or something out there that can help me break free of this. And, you know, I was a pretty prolific reader, so well, let me get a book on this particular situation or this particular struggle that I've got going with, and I'll be able to get out of it. And we make these promises over and over and over again to ourselves about how we can break free from these things, but really understanding that each and every one of us, those who are slaves to sin, cannot free themselves from it. But once we are freed from the penalty and the power of sin through the cross, we become a different kind of slave. And then in that slavery, we can find complete peace and true freedom. And you know, in a lot of ways, that may seem like it's a contradiction, that the only true freedom in Christ comes to those who are slaves to Christ. But, you know, we look back through history, and we think of some of the most harshly oppressed people, past or present, that have come. It's amazing how they've come to complete freedom in Christ. 
You know, I look at some of our, our brothers and sisters most recently in Yemen, uh, in, in, the, uh, in India and in Pakistan, those that have come to the faith and are being such an affront to their family members that we have brothers and sisters in the faith that had family members that were not Christians, doused them in gasoline and set them on fire because of their faith. So we, we talk about, you know, that, that, that being a slave to Christ, it's amazing. We look back at the martyrs that we see, the roll call of the faithful, the opposition they had, how as long as they were Christ-focused, they had freedom. And eventually those chains were broken forever based on the deed that they had already received when they entered the waters of baptism, which was an opportunity to spend eternity with God in heaven. You know, when it comes to the word slavery, it means a lot, and it can trigger a lot. It is a means of degradation, insult, a lack of justice, hardship, inequality. But the biblical model shows us that the true freedom of slaves those surrendered to Christ will experience joy, peace, and hope. And these are the only products that really mean anything when it comes to true freedom. And it's a freedom in a lot of ways we'll never really know completely in this life. There are 124 occurrences of the word slave, dukalos, in the New Testament of the word, which means someone who belongs to, in the Hebrew, it actually means someone who belongs to another, or a bond slave with ultimately no ownership or rights of his own. Unfortunately, most modern Bible versions today have gotten away from that. They've, they've kicked the word slave out of the Bible, and they, they change it to servant or bond servant. But keep this in mind. A servant works for what? A servant works for wages. And with that work, who benefits because of that work? Servant, right? I mean, they're, they're fulfilling a job for whoever it is they're working for, but ultimately they get something back. They get something from the individual that they're working for. Now, the Christian, on the other hand, we have absolutely nothing that we can offer to God, to the Lord, in payment for forgiveness. And ultimately, he or she totally is owned by the master. And let's think about the price that was paid for this ability to be in this relationship with God. We're owned by a master who bought each one of us through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. Christians are purchased by the blood and are the possession. Again, we've been bought at the price of blood. We are the possession of our Lord and Savior. We're not hired by him, but we do belong to him. Amen? So how do we break the chains of the law? Well, let's, let's start for a moment here and just kind of walk through that a little bit. The law of God was revealed to Moses, and it's recorded in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. It consists of 600-plus laws that needed to be upheld in order to maintain a right relationship with God. Now, this law, the Torah, when you think it through, really provided no hope of really anything whatsoever other than helping us see how far and why we fall short of God. Now, that in itself might sound a little discouraging, right? Yeah. I've got good news for you here this morning. There's a sledgehammer that came over 2,000 years ago that will break each and every chain that enslaves, and his name is Jesus Christ. God sent the personified version of himself 
Jesus down to earth to set us free from the chains of the devil by dying on a cross for each and every one of us. You know, as we've already seen in Romans 8, verse 1, it says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this, is, this would be a good scripture to memorize because I don't know about you, there are times in my life where the stuff from my past comes back to haunt me. Sometimes I act on it, other times I don't. But one of the things that's always affiliated or associated with it is this sense of guilt. And in Romans 8, verse 1, this has got to be something that excites us and fires us up. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So how do we get into Christ Jesus? Well, in Romans 6, verse 3, it reads, Or don't you all know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. So we see this, we're baptized into his death in verse 3. In verse 4, Again, Paul wanted to make sure we got the point here. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Now, if you're dead, can you sin? No. I think there's a significance to this right here. We were baptized into death in order that just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, if we've been united with him like this in death, verse 5, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. You know, Paul is connecting our water baptism to this physical death. Again, when you're dead, you can't sin. And so we've got this equ equation here the physical being that we're participating in the physical death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And this is ultimately where our chains are broken. You know, our belief and our faith in Christ moves us to repentance. In the Hebrew, the word would be conversion or a turning from. And in the Greek, we're very familiar with metanoia. Within the Greek, it represents a change of mind and purpose, literally turning to God stepping aside from our old self, our old ways, and putting on a new mind, and with that understanding, then getting baptized. You know, when we're lowered into the water, that represents our death and burial. And in this, our sins are being put to death and buried. You know, the, the chains to sin, the chains to the law, the chains to everything from the past are broken. So when we come up out of the water, we're made new. Now, granted, we may not look any different, but spiritually, we are completely different. You know, I, I'll, I'll never forget uh, when I was managing Santa Monica Ford. You know, I wasn't a Christian when I started there, and there were a number of things that I had to try and do in order to maintain my own faith, which was making sure I was a part of midweeks, making sure that I got to Sundays. And I, I remember going into my boss, who had uh, just given me a really nice guarantee, which you don't see in the automobile industry, and letting him know that I needed my Wednesdays and my Sundays off after I started studying the Bible. And uh, guy was majorly distracted. Uh, I could barely get a word in edgewise with him, so I took him out to lunch. And I remember him sitting back when I, I told him, you know, I've got something I need to share with you. And I think he realized he was kind of apprehensive about it. He, he looked pretty concerned. I, I don't know if he thought I was dying or what, but... Um, <laughs> You know, and then I kind of dropped the bomb. It's like, you know, Mark, you're a great guy. I love the dealership. I love what you guys have done for me. But if I'm really going to go on and continue to be the kind of employee that you value, uh, I know you know I've been studying the Bible and I've become a Christian. 
I've got to get to church on Sundays. I need to be a part of that fellowship. I need to get to midweeks. And he sat back in his chair, and it was probably nothing more than a second, but it seemed like an eternity to me. And uh, he just wanted to know. He didn't ask me any more detail. He just wanted to know what time I could get into work on Sunday. At the time, we were at the Will Turn, so I don't know, it was maybe 20 minutes from there. I'm like, I can probably get there by 1 o'clock. He's all, okay, that's cool. I can get my golf in early in the morning, and you can, uh, you can come in and relieve me. Or I, actually, you can come in and relieve me at 1, and I'll go get off to the Riviera Country Club and, and golf. But I feel like God gave it back to me. I was willing to give it up. Jesus Christ, I was enslaved to God for what he had done for me, and God rewarded me for it. You know, I remember after I got baptized, too, uh, a very good friend of mine who actually lived with us for a while, Kevin Peters, was one of my closers. And I remember walking in, and uh, he noticed about midday that I wasn't cussing anymore. And this is one of those things I'm sure we've all experienced. We tried everything to stop it. I put money in a jar. Jackie and I hit each other. I mean, there were all kinds of different things we tried to do to facilitate changing it up. Uh, we're obviously pretty stubborn because none of that stuff worked. But I think when I, when I came to the conviction that Jesus Christ died for my foul mouth, you know, I, I, I got the immorality. I don't know why. That just seemed to make all kinds of sense to me when it came to some of the bigger sins. But the fact that Christ would die for the garbage that came out of my mouth floored me. And from that point forward, I've had maybe two instances in my entire 30-something years of a Christian versus using the F word for punctuation in pretty much every sentence that came out of my mouth. And Kevin Peters said to me, he just, at one point, he, I, he, I walked out of my office, and he starts bowing down to me, and I'm like, dude, he goes, he goes, can you do me a favor? Can you go back to the old Steve? He goes, I can't even understand what the heck you're saying anymore. <laughs> Which, you know, it's kind of a sad commentary, but I didn't look any different, but the bottom line is it's amazing when you come out of the waters of baptism, that new life, how that affects you and the difference that's there. And that's what makes the difference. That's the light that God, that Jesus talks about, that he wants us to become. You know, spiritually, we have this stench of death all over us. But when we were washed, when we were cleansed, when we were purified by that same blood that we were bought with, we were made much whiter than snow. You know, and if we live by faith, if we live by that word faith, we'll actually look like Christ, to God and those around us. You know, for those that don't believe you need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, that that isn't the means of coming into a right relationship with God, I put before you Galatians 3, in verse 23. It says, before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up. Until. Until the faith that was to come would be revealed. Verse 24, so the law was our guardian until Christ came. So kind of, sort of, guardrails, the boundaries, so that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed, yourselves with Christ. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, you have clothed yourself with Christ. Did you have a, did you have a godly wardrobe before baptism? No. No. We, got, we got to get real with this, people. Until we're clothed in Christ, we don't look like Christ, so God does not 
recognize us for who we are, which is whose we want to be, which is his. Amen? Amen. It says, for all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, which the seal, reb, the seal of redemption here would be not a UPC seal, but the clothes of Christ, being clothed in Christ. Then we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You know, it's kind of interesting. Faith is something that we see in the Bible about 250 times in the New Testament. Well, this wind is messing with me here. Again, faith is something that we see in the New Testament about 250 times. And it's kind of interesting when it comes to the word faith. We're going to go back and take a look at this passage in Galatians here in a sec. Um, in Romans 1, verse 17, it says, The righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Well, we go to John 1. What does John 1 tell us about faith? What does it tell us about Jesus? The word was there when? In the beginning, capital W, the word. It was there for the creation. It was with God. And John the Baptist goes on to say that the word is who? God. So keeping this in mind, all of this revolving around faith, we're going to have it up there on the screen in a sec here. The word equals Jesus, equals God, equals life, equals light. They're all synonymous here. So as we go back to Galatians 3, with this coming to the faith that it talks about here, what came? What was it that Paul was talking about that came? Faith came. Jesus came. As through that, children of God come about through faith as we step into Christ through the waters of baptism. Now let's go back to Galatians 3 and take a look at this. It's, it's a pretty amazing passage. And keep in mind that synonym, that, uh, those items that equal one another here. Going back to Galatians 3, it says, Before th what the coming of this faith. Can you put in there? Before the coming of the word. Before the coming of Jesus. Before the coming of the light. Before the coming of life. Does that not work in that situation? Yes. We were held in custody under the law, locked up until what came again. It says faith, but what is the significance of faith? The word. If we don't get into the word, if we don't believe the word, what could we possibly have faith in? Faith is the belief in the promise of what God gives us through his son, Jesus Christ, which again is synonymous with the word. It continues. So the law was our guardian until who came? Christ came. That we might be justified by faith. Isn't that being justified by Christ? So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith, Jesus, word, light, life has come, we're no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, we are all children of God through what? Faith, Christ, word, life, light. All those things are summarized here in this passage. You know, we think this through. Satan loves chaos. I think we've experienced probably more chaos in the last 18 months than I have in my entire life. It's just been amazing all the different things that we're getting hit with. Why? Satan loves chaos, and he is a demon of opportunity. 
If he sees the opportunity, he's going to get in there. And the devil can be very persuasive. You know, it's kind of interesting. Jackie was uh, doing something with, I think it was Siri the other day, and she said something about devil, wouldn't come up. There were a number of different words, biblical terminologies that she used. The, the word sin wouldn't even come up. I mean, it's just crazy that, you know, we're even, even our interactions with Siri today are filtered. But one thing the Bible can promise is that sin will never return all the glitz and glamour that it seems to promise. We, gosh, we get so many promises within our media today, right? I mean, I loved Instagram when it first started out. It was just people's lives and what was going on. Now it seems like every individual that I have a relationship that posts has got an advertisement in between every one of those posts. You know, with the little shop tag at the bottom. You know, wherever we look, there's glitz and glamour that Satan is trying to seemingly get us to embrace. And while it may seem pleasurable at the time, it ends up leaving us empty inside. And Paul addresses this in verse 12. He says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And isn't that who we are as disciples? So offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For the sin shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. You know, as we think through that, we all have desires. We all have evil desires. And giving in to them will do anything but bring you freedom. It makes them your master. And Satan wants to convince us that we'll never get enough. You're never going to get enough love. You're never going to get enough money. You're gonna, never going to get enough power, enough food, enough toys, enough sex, enough sleep, enough appreciation, enough vacation time, enough drugs, enough porn, enough accolades, enough alcohol. There's never going to be enough. And Jesus talked to this about this woman at the well in John 4, verse 14. He says, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will be become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You know, freedom comes not from the sins of this world, but the one who promises to take care of your every need, not just now, but who promised to take care of every single need that you would have for eternity. Amen. Because God promises that he will do just that. In Romans 7, verse 21, it reads, The law has shown me that something in me keeps me from doing what I know is right. With my whole heart, I agree with the law of God. And we know for Paul, he was basically an attorney protecting the law, the Israeli law, the Jewish law. He knew it frontwards and backwards. So as he says here, the law show me something that keeps me from doing what I know is right. With my whole heart, I agree with the law of God. But in every part of me, I discover something fighting against my mind, and it makes me a prisoner of sin that controls everything I do. What a miserable person I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is doomed to die? In verse 25, thank God. Jesus Christ will rescue me. Amen. You know, Paul's even warning us here that the power of sin is still going to try and hold us captive, even if we love God's word. Amen. But through Jesus Christ, we can break free. You know, in chapter 6 and 7, it reveals that 
We can have this divided will sometimes, doing what we don't want to do. But we're bound to do it. We're enslaved to do it. Because our hearts are either corrupted by sin or renewed in Christ. That we see sin or righteousness as compelling. And it's just this weird dichotomy, this weird battle, this weird struggle that goes on. So we're, again, we're either enslaved to sin or we're enslaved to God. And Paul talks about how we're engaged in this constant battle, and it reminds me of the story of two wolves. You know, it was this Cherokee elder who was teaching his grandson about life. And he stated to his grandson, you know, there's this battle going on that wages inside me, and it's this incredibly terrible fight between two wolves. One is evil. He's angry. He's sorrowful. He's regretful. He's greedy. He's arrogant. He lives within self-pity and guilt. All kinds of resentment and inferiority, lies, false prides, self-doubt, ego. Then he says there's, the other is a, a good wolf. For him, he consists of joy, hope, peace, love, humility, kindness, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, faith. And then he says to his grandson, the same fight is going on within you. The young man thought about it for a minute. Then he asked his grandfather, well, Grandpa, which, which wolf will win? The grandfather simply replied, the one you feed. You know, I think this is uh, significant. I know many of you have heard it before. But I think as we come out of this COVID coma, we've got to ask ourselves, over the last 18 months, which wolf have you really been feeding? Which, which wolf have you really been feeding? You know, instead of trying to defend or justify our sins, making sure we're going after the word the way that we need to so we can let the power of the Holy Spirit be the thing that works within us rather than honor our attitudes and issues and everything that everybody else tells us needs to get us riled up. You know, at times it may seem impossible to let go of certain desires or temptations and take things into your own hands and not wait on God. You know, if you take the time and pray and read God's word, you'll become more in tune with the Holy Spirit. And your desires will ultimately take a shift. But don't get me wrong, the process of breaking these chains away and making ourselves more like Christ is not necessarily a simple or easy process. You know, I look at my, my own life through the years. You know, there were a lot of things that I had to overcome before I became a Christian, before I came into the kingdom. There were a lot of things that I needed to work on and ultimately deconstruct. You know, I look at my upbringing, um, being adopted. There, there were a lot of things there, lack of self-esteem, uh, just this fear of abandonment. And in a lot of instances, I think a lot of the anger and the rage I had was a means of keeping me a distance between me and other people so that I couldn't be hurt. You know, when it came to even friendships, I'd kind of keep people at an arm's distance because the idea of having been abandoned, which is how I felt as a young man, I think obviously understanding that a woman's able to go full term and give their child up for a better opportunity, it's a huge deal. But as the child of that, it doesn't necessarily make it easier with that understanding because it doesn't make sense. And I think for me, as, as life went on, even after I became a Christian, the idea of my biological dad having been murdered because he was hanging with blacks, part of the football team at Arkansas State, 
in the wrong place at the wrong time. There's a lot of anger and resentment about that. And that if my mom had had me, if she had kept me, maybe I would have had the opportunity to actually meet my biological dad. And there's a hole there to this day. I know I'm never going to get beyond completely. But I'm so grateful that God adopted me into his family. Because his family is a family that will last. His is a love that's unconditional. And so many times in relationships, I experience this conditional love. We, we all have. Somebody ends up breaking up. Somebody ends up walking away. And it just brought me right back to those fears and issues I had as a child when it came to who I was and not really feeling like I was much of anybody. Breaking chains can be painful. But I think really understanding what we've been given. You know, even, even being raised in a major denomination, having to, you know, having been kind of forcing that through my youth, and then at the age of 13 being told, you know, you're old enough, figure it out. Like, amen, I'm out because of what I saw. And having to undo that, having to deconstruct that, it's like, what do I really believe? And ultimately landing on, I don't really believe much of anything other than in me. The only thing I felt like I had any control over is what I did. And, you know, there was the upside, the accomplishments that you have, and those are all well and good, but there's way more for me of the downsides and the things that led to self-loathing. And even today as a Christian, those things are in there. It's not easy. It's not easy with my past pornography, which came into the kingdom and into my family and how destructive that was. It's not easy still wrestling with, I'd much rather put my fist through a wall than have to... Think, think it through and pray about it and get the right perspective and let go of the anger and forgive. You know, I, there was something to be said for that immediate gratification of the knuckles coming into contact with stuff. Because, you know, I mean, I, I got issues, but the kingdom helped me to let go of some of those things and relearn better patterns and how, again, ultimately, having been baptized into Christ and being clothed in Christ, do I want to really be Christ's ambassador with these other things looming on the forefront? rather than battling and fighting through them to get my life in a place where I can truly live a life of purpose. And I don't have to worry about abandonment. I, all, I, all I have to worry about is continue to build my family tree by spreading the gospel. And it's just amazing the love that's been extended to Jackie and I through the years from men and women that we had the opportunity to bring the gospel to and how we've been able to express the love to those that were in our lives that have helped us with our walk. You know, I'm so grateful for so many of you in this mix that make me feel loved unconditionally. Uh, people that have had, you know, we got with the Thomases the other night for dinner, and it came up, you know, uh, my son got restored in another church, and there were a lot of issues that I was personally wrestling with, and Owen talking me off, the sh off of the ledge. You know, I was wanting to hurt something. Yeah, this was years ago. But, uh, you know, the whingies, uh, when it comes to, Navigating kids, grandkids, our marriage, interaction with each other, stuff in the church. I mean, I'm so grateful for the men and women that have made a difference in my life. So again, it's not easy, but I think as we can see here, link by link, as painful as it may be, we can become unshackled. And the freedom and peace that we find in Christ, for me, is beyond belief. You know, as the word is showing you today, God has more for you and more for his church in store. God has something better for all of us and his church. And I appreciate so much the light our brothers and sisters have been in Lebanon. And I know you, you're going to hear me talk about it from time to time, but the peace that Jesse 
found in her dad passing because she knew he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. I still to this day cannot believe the transition that she was able to make with all the loss that had been suffered over there. Members of the church dying, members of family members dying, the explosion, poverty, uh, no electricity, you know, limited food, all these different issues, and to see her literally glowing as she shared with us her last hours with her dad was amazing. And that's the power of the word. So why remain chained to the things which Christ died to set us free from? I think really understanding today as we land the plane, you have the opportunity to be set free and given a new life. If you haven't made Jesus Christ Lord of your life yet, this morning is an incredibly good time for you to start. He died for you to break your chains. Jesus wants a relationship with you. He wants to give you freedom like you've never experienced before. And if you're watching with us live digitally here today, that new start may be nothing more than you uh, clicking on the bot if it's in the uh, line, that, line up there in the chat or just dropping your email into the chat. And we'll connect you with somebody that can help you on that journey. If you're here with us today, all you got to do is look to your left or your right. There's somebody that can help you with that journey. If you've already made Jesus Christ Lord of your life during the past year, but you find yourself chained to something that is not of God, allow Christ to set you free again. Start by getting back into the Word and getting real about where you're at spiritually and getting help from the individuals in your Bible talk or the individuals you have a discipling relationship with. And ultimately, by rededicating or renewing your relationship with Christ today. Christ wants you to experience faith. He doesn't want you to experience religion. Christ wants you to experience faith. Christ wants each of us to experience true life that can only be found in him. Today, chains will be broken. The question is, are you willing to let Christ break every chain in your life and be freed? Let's go ahead and bow our heads and go to Father in prayer for communion. Father God, oh, for me personally, I'm so grateful for your word. Even the opportunity you give us today that it's literally with us wherever we go, in our phones, our nightstands, wherever. But it's encouraging to know that you love us. It's so encouraging to know the extremes that you were willing to go to. Every, every step of the journey from the garden to what we have today, the law that you established to protect us, but so much more so the fact that you were willing to come down in the flesh yourself, be willing to be nailed to a cross, to bleed, to die, but ultimately after three days to rise from the dead so that we'd have the opportunity for our sins to be forgiven, that we'd be given the opportunity to be clothed in Christ. Father, for those of us that are disciples, help us to never lose sight of the incredible gift of salvation and the price that was paid so we could break free from the slavery that Satan wants to keep us in to be able to be enslaved by you in a life that's full, a life of hope, a life of peace, a life of purpose, and a life that gives us the ability to help others break their chains as well. Father, thank you for the blood. Thank you for the body of Christ, and again, the willingness you were able to go to so that we would have this relationship with you. 
as we take communion this morning, as we take the bread and the fruit of the vine, helps to contemplate the areas of our lives that we've been so blessed with. Help us to also take a look and assess the areas of our lives that we do need to renew, we do need to rededicate to be pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.